When you are constantly having this feeling inside of obligation versus desire, and you're constantly pushing your own personal wants and desires down, there's something wrong there. We're, we're letting go of something that is part of who we are. We're denying something of ourselves. And um, it might be for the sake of religion. It might be the sake of, for the sake of relationship or a job. Everybody ha- might have a different reason. But, but when we start to find ourselves pushing down and suppressing some part of us, that we may not even know we like that part of us. We just know we're pushing it down. It, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's just the weirdest thing that just rise up in us. And we realize that that's the point of liberation, right? That's the point where we just become unleashed is when we get to wear the red dress. Or it really begins with asking, what if I bought the red dress? What if I just did it? What would happen? Help Me See is a podcast that redefines the word vision through vulnerable and real conversations my own private introspective ramblings about the things that I think about in the wee hours of the morning and my deep core belief that your nothingness is your everything and all you have to do is see. I'm Bianca Mora. I'm your host. I am an educator, a photographic artist, and I believe that your daily photo habit can be the key to unlocking the ability to be more present in your everyday life and live deeper into your intention and purpose. We're not about the small talk here. Grab your coffee, get cozy, and let's talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Help Me See. It is Tuesday night, as usual. Um, One thing you can be sure of is that (laughs) these podcast episodes are always very relevant and of the moment (laughs) because it feels right for me to do it this way. Um, Today on the show, we have a new friend of mine, Jessica Travis, who her story will blow your mind. I feel like she has 14 different stories wrapped into one and they all flow together in this crazy, powerful way. Jessica is a life coach working to empower and liberate her clients. Just some of the things that we touch on is losing and finding her marriage, raising her daughters, uh, leaving a church that she had been so immersed in um, her whole life, being a pastor's wife, um, two brain surgeries. I mean, uh, building her own business. Um She has two incredible podcasts. She is the epitome of resilient and leading by example in her quest to rewrite her own story by her. Um, It really is a gift to have her share her story and her wisdom with us. And, you know, this episode title, Getting Lost to Get Found, this is something she talks about, um, in a very literal sense as far and also a metaphorical sense. Um, but you know, in terms of how I am resonating with that right now, I have just been doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on getting lost in the sense of continuing to forget and shed and shed all of the layers 
of what society or really anyone has put on me that is not mine to carry. Um, and I mean that in many ways, I mean that in personal life, I mean that in business, in my art, I think so much of our struggles, let's talk like in, for instance, in our work, in our craft and whatever it is, is when we butt up against doing it the way this, it should be done based on the amount of people that have done it that way. <laughs> I think it's really easy to get caught up in thinking, well, this must be the right way because everyone does it like this. I mean, but how fucking boring is that? And if it doesn't feel right to you, if that's something that you keep on coming up against, it's not right for you. You know, I just last night I was working on this gallery that I'm almost done with. Um, it's the sweet family that I photographed in California and it's been a while now, but I say, I make it a point to say that it will be upwards of a month before seeing the photographs because that is the time that I know that I crave and need and love to be able to pour over this work the way that I want to pour over it. You know, and it's funny because so much of what I hold so sacred in my craft and in my business is the opposite of what I see everywhere, the opposite of the strategies and of the rationales of, you know, this is the way it should be done and this will turn into more sales and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not vilifying it at all. Uh, what I just want to do is turn the volume up on that voice inside yourself. If it doesn't sit well in your gut, it doesn't sit well in your gut. And there's a reason for it. I don't really care to be known as the photographer that is like the most, um, the quickest turnaround or and I know that there's a time and place and I know that there is a huge value in that as well, but I'm just fully leaning into that's not me because I'm not going to create something that feels as powerful as I know it could be. So I give myself the time and space for that. And my clients do that for me as well by being in agreement with being okay with it, taking that long to get their photographs. Um, and I love that I don't feel the pressure to get galleries out and I can just sit and sit with it and not force myself to work on it on a day where I'm not really feeling into it. And I'm also happy that I get to look at it after sleeping on it and decide, huh, not feeling this, Let's start over. Because it has to be great. It has to feel very connected to my soul for me to for me to feel right and good and happy. So I know that that takes time for me. And so I've built that into my business and into my art. Um, so that is just one tiny, tiny example of something that I do that is not a one size fits all that does not fit for everyone, but it's what works for me and what I love. So before we get into the show, I, I give you a 
prompt, an invitation, a homework assignment? I don't know. Whatever the word is. What is it? What is one thing? What is one thing that you secretly wish that you could do in your work, in your personal life, in your art that you're not already doing? And why aren't you doing it? And even if there's a really good reason why you're not already doing it, what if? What if you can find another way? What if you could find a side door and really lean into doing what feels so good and so true to you? Okay, there's my TED talk for uh, <laughs> for this intro. Um, I really can't wait to roll into my chat with Jessica. It's one of those chats where in the middle of the chat, I'm already thinking, I cannot wait for her to come back. I hope she comes back. <laughs> Before we roll into it, I did want to remind you that I am currently working on my new course coming out. And if you are a photographer or an artist that is feeling the itch to dive deeper into your vision and explore more of how you can further lean into what is uniquely you. Um, reach out. I am forming a focus group right now uh, where we're going to get together and talk a little bit about our work. I am conducting further research for my course that I'm currently creating on being able to tap into your vision powerfully, no matter what, no matter what the circumstance. And I would love to chat with you and hear what's on top for you so that I know that I am addressing all of the different angles that this very dynamic and complex and elusive topic can engage with us all in. So um, you can reach out to me on my Instagram, Bianca Leamora, and I would be very happy to hear from you. Okay. I think that's it for now. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the amazing and powerful Jessica Travis. And if you want to learn more from Jessica and get in her world, um, check out the show notes. All of her links are there. All right. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Help Me See. Today, I am so excited to get talking. I'm like, Record, record, record. We have um, my new friend and life coach and NLP practitioner, Jessica Travis, on the show. And I cannot wait to hear her story and just share her with all of you. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, I'm so excited. I love chatting with you. This will be fun. Oh my gosh. So Jessica has a couple podcasts, actually. And I was just on hers um, recently, and we just had the best time chatting and connecting over some newfound discoveries in our own personal world. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just so excited to get a chance to talk again. Um, so Jessica, uh, you know, today we were talking a little bit before we hit record. And as we were just going back and forth, Jessica said this phrase, and of course my brain locked in on it like a pit bull. <laughs> I love pit bulls. <laughs> um, getting <laughs> lost to get found this idea of getting lost to get found. Uh, and I just want to go with it. I want to go from there. Jessica, can we first hear a little bit of your backstory and, you know, what has led you to the place you're at today? Wow. Well, um, 
I'm not a young pup anymore. So uh, my story <laughs> could be uh, quite long if I let it be. But um, the short of it uh, is that I am I'm a life coach and I am a mom and a grandma now of a three-year-old. And, um, and I, I have two daughters, so, um, we have a grandson is our grandchild. And so I am loving life, learning the little boy life, which I know, you know, all about. Um, so it's new for me, but, um, we're just, we're having a blast with him and, um, yeah, it's my husband and I have been married for, um, over 27 years and we, uh, yeah, we have pretty crazy story in, you know, through all of that. But the work that I do is, um, is helping women to find the story that they want to live, the one that they want to put out there in the universe and help them shed the story that they feel obligated to or the story that, um, somebody else is writing for them. So, um, and that can be, um, anything from, Hey, this is who I was supposed to be. This is like how my family taught me to be. This is how my religion taught me to be. It can also be, um, big influencers in your life, like, um, uh, leadership roles, even ones that have gone toxic or abusive. And there's a story that's getting told about you. Um, so I like to help women strip away the story that they don't feel is authentic or genuine or real or the one that they want to be living. And we move them into the story that they do want to live. And um, it's really, it's really exciting work. Um, but of course, you kind of have to go through it yourself first, right? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I know. Gosh, darn it. We don't, we don't know how to do things sometimes. So we have to do them ourselves first. Uh, I think that's the universe's shitty way of <laughs> helping us help <laughs> others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how, how have you lived this story? Um, you know, I, I grew up in a fundamental evangelical Christian, um, faith. Um, I didn't know my life, um, outside of that world. Um, I met my husband in that world and, um, raised my kids most of their life in that world. Um, my husband was a pastor for 10 years. So I took on the role of a pastor's wife. Um, during that time we worked with, uh, youth, um, as well as adults, but, um, our passion was working with teens. Um, and I still love the work that we did, but, um, but it was the, the context in which we were doing that under and the, the pressure and the rules and all of that sort of thing really played um well it played a strong role in our life that eventually just kind of chipped away at our family and chipped away at our, at our relationship so i think that the more you start to step into uh who you are whether you realize it or not whether it's intentional or not um you find more conflicts in your life like personal inner conflicts where you're like i don't feel good in this space anymore or um, I don't know if I agree with that anymore. Um, or that's not actually working and that it's supposed to be working and, you know, things like that where you just keep kind of, you know, butting heads with your life. And for us, it got to 
a, a pretty dark place um, in our relationship. We were on the verge of divorce after, gosh, 20, <laughs> I forget how long ago this was now because I have so much has happened since then, but um, I think we were a good um, 22 years into marriage. And, um, and we both just hit rock bottom. We had to make some big choices about our relationship, but we had to make some big choices about ourselves and who who we wanted to be, who who we actually were. Um, outside of all of these voices and all of these, you know, pressures. So that led us on a, a self-discovery, marriage discovery journey forward. And a lot happened in that time. A lot of things were crashing in at that time. I had um, my oldest daughter was, um, she had not been diagnosed bipolar yet. And so she was self-medicating her uh, mental health through uh, abusive drugs. Luckily, it just was not a good space for her. Um, and so those were some really hard years. And we, we all just kind of, kind of caved under all of the, the pressure, the pain, the hurt. And yeah, we just, we had to rediscover who we were, who we wanted to be at that point. I don't think that's too different than a lot of people. I think we all had those moments in our lives where we have to face ourselves. Um, a bit and if learning was smooth we'd all enjoy it more <laughs> uh-huh. sometimes we have to learn learn it the painful way but so my husband through that my husband and I stepped away from the church for a while at least just to to focus on ourselves and not focus on everybody else's needs and um in the ministries that we were a part of so we pulled back quite a bit and turned into to each other Spends a lot of a lot more intentional time together, but it's very different than the time we'd spent together before we started. Um, <laughs> this is where the get lost, get found part comes. We started um, saying to each other, "Can we just can we just run away this weekend? Can we just get away from all of it? Let's just go get lost." And we had bought a jeep for the first time, a jeep that I had wanted my entire life. And he, uh, so we want, we were, you know, dying to get it out on back roads and four wheeling and stuff like that. But we're like, let's just go get lost. Maybe we don't have to come back. We'll just go get lost. And we realized that as we took these weekends away and did these little adventures that we started documenting them through an Instagram, um, getting lost with you. And then that kind of turned into this whole idea that we were, actually finding ourselves in this new space of getting lost. And um, so then it just kind of evolved to, we were getting lost to get found. And it was a beautiful discovery of each other and ourselves. Getting a little emotional. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you know, do you find, do you think that, not that it really matters, but I'm just interested in that. Do you find that your craving to get lost is it was it a yearning for discovery, or was it that you know the ministry and like the community that you had been so a part of was just so you were so immersed in it where you were that that's why you were craving yeah. craving to kind of leave? Um, I think yeah, probably both. But yeah, absolutely. Our our life was um, 
we had we had a lot of freedom working for the church to explore uh, the ways in which we wanted to build community, be part of community, be part of people's lives. So there was a part of it that was really suited for us. On the other hand, there was a lot of things that are controlled. There were times that you know <laughs> you. I, in order to be a pastor of a church, there has to be funding that comes into that church. And that comes from an offering plate getting passed around and people putting their money in. And and then you get paid from that. And I remember this one Sunday morning where this little kid that was in our Sunday school classes, he might have been five years old. And I saw him putting his quarters in there. And it just hit me really hard that this little guy's quarters were going into my bank account, right? Um, that, that all of these people were paying my bills, were um, feeding my kids. You know, there's just this awareness of, of their money becoming my money. And, and so there was this obligation of what I do with my money, um, how I spend it. Uh, whether we take a vacation or not. And if we take a vacation, how frivolous of a vacation do we take? Um, what kind of car do we buy? Um, there was one church that we worked for where an elder um, came up to us a couple days uh, at a church uh, gathering. A couple days after we had bought a new vehicle, our uh, last one had broken down. And he said, it looks like you bought a new vehicle. And um, I don't think it was a really smart purchase um, because it's kind of a gas hog. You should have bought something that didn't cost so much. And I just, it, this idea that nothing was my own, um, the way we lived was not our own. We were always under a microscope. So when you say, did you just want to kind of run away from it? Yeah, absolutely. We wanted to do something that was on our terms, something that was our choice and we really didn't care that in any we didn't want anybody to have say in it i guess even just a camping trip or a hiking trip or it, it seems really ridiculous because people do this all the time but for us it had been so many years of our our choices being watched um every aspect of our life being watched how we raised our kids spent money all of it so yeah getting lost felt really good. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'd imagine I, you know, I'm curious. It sounds very immersive. It sounds very all encompassing. And I think that something when you were talking about the ability to rewrite your story and not accept the story that someone else writes for you, or, you know, when you feel like you're under scrutiny mm -hmm. of whatever, what I find the most mind blowing is when you're that deep into it, your ability to pull out because it's so disorienting. Like the more involved in something you are, yeah. it's like, you can't see the tip of your nose. Right. So like how, well, one, was there a pivotal point in which you realized, wait a minute, whose story is this? Because it can feel so natural and so good for so long that, you know, it's very elusive. It's, I actually just had a conversation this last time. It's, you know, different, but kind of similar concept of like, you start this business and you work on your craft that you love so much and it gives you life and it energizes you. And then somewhere along the lines, you feel like a shell of a human and you're like, but I love this. What happened? You know, 
So was that, was there a point that you remember diagnosing it, like finding it out Mm -hmm. almost like in your own life? And then also, is there a way that you can suggest and help someone to kind of step back and like look at themselves and kind of see where they're not living their own story, but might not realize it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there were, there were a couple of things. We made a big decision to move out of the community that my husband was pastoring because my youngest daughter was, um, had, had started talking about wanting to commit suicide. She had been bullied at it from a very young age and we were in a very small town. Um, you can't just change schools. There's not another school to change to. Um, so we decided to make a big choice and resign his position and move to a bigger, bigger city. Um, and so that she had the resources, um, that were needed um, and, and just a kind of a clean slate for her in terms of uh, her social surrounding. And so we made a big, um, big life shift at that point. But um, my husband was ready to be done with that life of uh, being a pastor. And I didn't quite know what to do without it. Um, so we had a, there was a lot of contention between us in terms of how we lived moving forward. We both dealt with it very differently. I kept wanting to go back. He kept wanting to run further from it. And <clears throat> which eventually led to a, a lot of relationship issues for us. But I think, um, and, and in that process, I, I ended up taking a job with, um, my husband worked for him too, but, um, that it was not a religious job at all. We were in retail um, and I was a running coach and um, the person that we worked for was a friend of ours, but he was, um, he was very narcissistic gaslighter. It was just a very toxic relationship. And um, it just ate away at uh, my husband and I's relationship because we were both dealing with the same boss and dealing with all that, all of those dynamics. Um, but it was one of those that kind of, it was a, a relationship that woke me up to somebody very specifically trying to tell me how to view the world, how to view reality. And if you know anything about gaslighting, it's, it's the, the basic idea is that uh, a gaslighter is working to convince you of another reality that isn't the reality. So um, it, it was just this, constant trying to uh, please trying to do better at my job, trying to meet um, marks, you know, uh, sales marks, things like that. And um, every time I met them, then it's raised. Well, that's not what I said. I said this. And it's just like this, uh, this, my world just started spinning. And, um, and in one sense, you know, my husband and I were taking a walk today and talking about some of the stuff from that time. And how it still eats away <laughs> at our thoughts and how we view ourselves and stuff. And, but yet at the same time, it was because of that that it made me aware, wait, he's got a story he's trying to make me live within and it doesn't feel good. And I just kept butting up against it. So when you say, how, how did you know you can't live with that much in your conflict for very long? When you are constantly saying, having this feeling inside of obligation versus desire, and you're constantly pushing your own personal wants and desires down, there's something wrong there. We're, we're letting go of something that is part of who we are. We're denying something of ourselves. 
And um, it might be for the sake of religion. It might be the sake of, for the sake of relationship or a job. Everybody ha- might have a different reason. But, but when we start to find ourselves pushing down and suppressing some part of us that we don't, we may not even know we like that part of us. We just know we're pushing it down. I think, I think that was the turning point for me. Um, and for my husband and I, in order for us to stay together, I had to become really honest about who I wanted to be moving forward in that relationship. So it was time to actually start. What do you like, Jess? You know, are you going to end up at Starbucks ordering the coffee that your friend ordered just because they did that and you're not sure if you should order something different? Or do you just go out on a limb and order what you actually want? Um, and it sounds, it sounds so ridiculous even to me now, but it was, it started with me ordering the coffee that I wanted, not the one that I thought was the right one to get. So these little micro things in my life were screaming at me, Jess, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you like? What lights you up? You know, those are, those were not things that I clued into for myself at all. Um, the other was that I was becoming very disembodied. So, um, I, it's so easy for me to live in my head. It's a really easy space for me to be. It also can be a very dangerous space for me to live. Um, but, uh, and I had had this very active spiritual life, um, for so long, just very important. It had incredible value in my life. Um, and then I had this relationship with my body in running and triathlon. And I didn't know how to intersect those. I didn't know how to bring them together. So I could, I could work out as an athlete and I would watch my, my metrics and my data like crazy. So that was the heady part. Those two could connect, but I didn't really have a spiritual experience with it. Um, in my spirituality, um, it was how much do I know? I need to know more, but very disembodied or very removed from my body. So it's very rare that I ever had all three of these parts of myself connecting together. Um, and so that was another identifier for me was that I would just almost felt like I was living as three different people as in one, you know, I identify with, with that as well. Sometimes I feel like multiple versions of myself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I remember one time I was at work. Someone's like, you're always so calm. I'm like, am I like, <laughs> like, like that is your experience. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, first of all, this is so, this is so powerful. And you know what I find, what keeps coming up for me as you're speaking is like the, where do you find, where did you find and continue to find the strength for it? Because even like, even when you give examples and you're like, it sounds silly now, but I'm like, it's not even though I think every single one of us can relate to this, like in a various, you know, a scale and a varying degrees. But like, there are plenty of times where someone's asked me something and I've said something and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know why I just said that. Wait, no. Like, I actually don't think that, or I don't, you know, um, but it takes strength to like check yourself and to kind of be that and show that and not try to guess the right answer, but 
you know, be okay with like not immediately knowing and like, okay, let me, I guess I got to excavate a little bit of my own. Um, but the idea that this decision to find yourself was something that you had to make over and over and over and over again, because you were lived a whole life in the world. And then you decided, wait a minute, what the fuck? (laughs) Wait, Mm -hmm. what's going on here? And so, you know, I'm sure in like tiny and massive ways you had to keep, you know, incrementally doing this. Like, did you find that it was really hard to, you know, start this process in the beginning or did it get easier as you went? Um, there were safe things that you could make these decisions about early on having the coffee that you want was safe. You know, there really wasn't a lot of consequence if I, you know, somebody else didn't like what I ordered or for some reason it was the wrong order. I mean, like I I don't even, I know that that's how I felt, but I, I couldn't tell you today even (laughs) how did I get there thinking that I could order the wrong coffee. Right. But, um, so the, those are those are fairly safe things. Um, one of the things that was happening for years, as my husband was a pastor, well, if I were to if I were to go back and look at myself as a young child, I was incredibly inquisitive. My favorite question was, "What if?" It was very exploratory for me. So, um, what if you know the no one actually landed on the moon, right? Like it just, it causes, it gives you space to, to start exploring and to, to keep asking the next question and asking the next question. Right. Um, I really haven't entertained that question for very long. So I just, this is the first thing that came to my mind, but <clears throat> most of it was around, around my faith, you know? Um, and there was this one, um, one question that I wrote a blog about that got me in a lot of trouble. and. And it was about what if God was more good than what your, that our faith is telling us he is? What if he was actually more good and I could see it in the world than what we're being taught he should be? That was going to blow apart what I understood about God. It was going to blow apart my theology. It was going to blow apart my um, understanding of what, what or who or how God actually was. And, um, and I don't, it was just a question that sparked the next question and the next question. And eventually my husband and I were brought before a team of elders and you're reading the wrong books. You're writing the wrong things. You know, his job was on the line. It was just really ridiculous. Um, but that question has followed us all along. What if we moved to this state? What's possible if we did that, right? Um, so it, it, it's opportunity, it's hope, it's discovery, it's ex- exploration. Um, and, and I think that that's what I started doing was, what if I just ordered the coffee I like? What if I went shopping for that thing that I've always wanted to shop for? Um, what if I bought the red dress? What if, you know, and it just became these little, these little things. And and like I said, some of them are really safe, but some of them are still really scary because they change the identity we're used to living in. So 
I have this dream. One day I will do it. Um, but I want to wear, you know, the song, The Woman in Red was a big song when I was in high school. And you just wanted to be the girl at the dance in red that the guy is singing about, right? Someday I'm going to buy the red dress, right? And, and it was that, but if I do that, the role that I had had up until that point, didn't offer me an opportunity for this red dress to be worn. And it was going to be a sexy red dress. So that really doesn't fly with being a pastor's wife, right? So we're doing a photo shoot of you in a red dress. (laughs) I'm coming. We're doing a photo shoot. You would look incredible in red. (laughs) And this is happening. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's just the weirdest things that just rise up in us. And we realize that that's the point of liberation, right? That's the point where we just become unleashed is when we get to wear the red dress. Or it really begins with asking, what if I bought the red dress? What if I just did it? What would happen? Um, so I, I, a couple years after this process started, I, I had a, they found a, tumor in my eye and I was starting to lose my sight in my left eye. Um, that's kind of a whole story in and of itself, but it led to two brain surgeries within a matter of four months. And, um, and I do have my eyesight. It's really exciting story. It's just, it's amazing. Like whole thing. Um, but it was after that and going through that and becoming, um, very much in control of my healing. Um, I had decided going into, um, the brain surgeries that I was going to control the atmosphere in which I healed in. Um, so it was pre COVID. So, you know, everybody comes to the hospital, (laughs) whether you want them to or not, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and I had a lot of people who, you know, really wanted to support me and wanted to be there for me, but I, I knew that brain surgery was um, potentially going to be very much of a sensory overload for me. Um, there's a lot of things that can happen with that, that just, so with your eyesight and everything, um, to just affect the sense of your, um, your ability to handle bright lights and all kinds of things. So I had decided that I was going to control who could come and see me, um, how I was going to heal, um, which just going to be me and my husband. And we spent, um, several weeks, um, just the two of us at home while I healed. And, um, it was somewhere in that process where I realized, oh, wow, I can, I can decide this really big thing in my life. I had to make the decision whether I even had the brain surgery at all. It wasn't an emergency thing. It was a choice. So these, these really monumental choices, I think were just piling up all that courage and all of that, um, belief that I could make decisions for myself. I could um, live in a way that I wanted to live. Um, and that led to um, what my husband calls the year of just. And in 2019, um, I made a decision to take a trip to Tanzania, Africa with a group of women. Um, that's always kind of scary <laughs> to travel with a group of women, right? Um, you never people you don't know and you just never know what it's going to be. But um it started this this year of saying yes to everything that came along. 
And one of the things that I said yes to was um, hiring a life coach. And she did such amazing work with me, um, moving out of a previous mindset and understanding of myself and giving me the freedom to uh, see myself as I wanted to be seen. Um, it was such a gift. Um, and that led me to quitting my job um, and deciding I wasn't going to work for a narcissist any longer. Um, and, um, and even standing up to, to that abuse publicly. And then um, it, it led to me going to Africa. Um, it led to um, uh, getting certified to become a life coach. It, it led to just so many things in between. Um, just, I just said yes to everything. Um, and I spent the year healing my body. So becoming very embodied where I was so used to being disembodied. I was bringing all of myself together. In fact, I was working with, um, a physical therapist after my brain surgery because having been running and triathlete and running coach prior to my surgery, um, it was a lot to come back to afterwards. My body had experienced this trauma. And in the process of that, I was starting to have these weird things just kind of like popping up all over my body, um, uh, compartment syndrome and just, just different strange um, injuries that I wasn't used to having. And um, my physical therapist sent me to a wonderful um, massage therapist and they were working together to help heal my body. And at one point he said to me, you know, I've been working with you for weeks now. And he said, at some point, you're going to have to decide you want to be healed. And I was like, what? Wait, I'm, I'm here for you to heal me. How, how do I have a part in this? I'm laying here on a bed. And he said, this is what you don't understand is that although you don't remember your surgeries, your body does. Your body was still present. You just didn't you don't have recall of it and you don't have the feeling of the surgery, but your body does. And you have to start telling your body it's safe. It's safe to be uh, with you. It's safe to move. It's safe to heal. And it was this um, <clears throat> wild adventure back into um, my body and back into uh, to connecting that spiritual, that physical, that mental that if I didn't bring those all together and working as one, I couldn't heal myself. So that, that whole year was just this like, whatever, just say yes to everything. Say yes to your body. Say yes to healing. Say yes to whatever moves you forward to, um, to being whole. Um, so that, that was probably the most intense exploratory part of, you know, answering all those what if questions. I'm so <laughs> fucking blown away right now. I can't even tell you. I, I don't know. Most people watch or listen to this and don't see it. But if you were to be watching this video on YouTube, you just see me like, I can't even, my hands are all over my face. My head is shaking. <laughs> I, you know, this idea of a revelation of like, you've had this, crazy intense thing brain surgery and you were like if I can if I can control my environment in this situation 
surely I can control, control my environment in this situation. It's, you know, safer to order a coffee, um, than to make a bigger decision, but you're working that muscle. You're saying, okay, if I could do this here, then maybe I can do this here. And then if I could do this here, then maybe I can do this here. And really it's such a beautiful way to just, you know, take something that seems like Mount Everest and chip away at it. And it really isn't so crazy once you say yes to yourself over and over again. And I love, I love that you called out even the red dress because these, I think way too often we fluff ourselves off. Like it's so easy to be like, well, you know, I have this silly thing that I want to do and I don't even know why. Or like I've been, you know, I used to in high school and middle school, I used to dance hip hop mm-hmm. and I love dance. And it kind yeah. of, I keep telling myself, uh, you know, how, how can I even keep up? Like, I want to fucking dance. Like, you yeah. want to wear a red dress. Like, yeah. you know, these aren't coincidences. These aren't like silly things. Because what if, what if I did dance? Like, what would happen with my body and my energy and my attitude yeah. towards my life? Like, what if you wear this red dress? What happens then? It's like giving yourself permission to, dream and explore into the nooks and crannies of yourself. I mean, it's just, yeah. You know, um, I think one of the things that we do as um, growing into adulthood from being a child, being a child is all exploration. It's all adventure. It's all discovery and in learning something new and, um, and finding out what you like and what you don't like, it, it, it's, it's the whole point of childhood, right? And, and any one of us would value that experience for a child. But somehow, as we grow up as an adult, we're supposed to, to grow out of that. We're supposed to grow up and become realistic. And, and I actually think that when we do that, we leave a part of ourselves behind and we leave it back there, you know? And, um, and I am becoming more and more grateful for the events in my life that allow me to go back and find that piece of myself and say, you know, we can bring it to the present. It was meant to be part of you. It's okay to bring it to the present. Um, it's okay to look a little crazy. It's okay because really who defined what crazy was anyway, right? And <laughs> so um, I really. Um, I really enjoy being without the rules that, um, that I developed over my adulthood. Um, I'm hoping that as I live each day forward, I am always looking to find the parts of me that I forgot about, the parts of me that, um, have yet to be released into my future. Um, I think it's, you know, I, I have a podcast called Liberate Your Story because this, this idea of, of self-liberation of bringing, I mean, I can't, I can't liberate you. That's going to be up to you to know what needs to be let go of and what needs to be released. And so that we can, we can bring out what it is that we want to bring out. Um, but I think it's a very powerful thing when we get to do that for ourselves. Um, I remember a feeling, um, there were a couple of moments and it was around the time that I had the brain surgeries where 
I don't know if you're familiar with Grey's Anatomy at all, <laughs> but um, Dr. Shepard, the girl, Dr. Shepard, she, every time she would go in to do one of her brain surgeries, she would stand there in this superhero pose and she would just soak it in for a moment. And she, it was like she was calling her inner superhero to come present and then she could go and she could do this thing. Right. And I know it's just TV, but it was a very real picture for me that I could call forth my inner superhero and I could go out and do that thing that I wanted to do. And I may not even know what it all is yet. You know, I think that's what's sort of exciting is we get to keep discovering it and we keep get to keep finding it. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, how boring would it be if we knew everything, you know, and why and pretending feels terrible. And, you know, you said risk feeling silly or, you know, when you do something that's, that seems crazy or whatever, or out of the norm, it gives so many people permission and to take a, not even take a deep breath, let a breath out. I feel like so Mm -hmm. there's so much of holding breath around keeping it all together. But what does that even mean? I was just talking today at, um, I was on a shoot talking to someone about how, you know, these school systems that everyone reveres and listen, I love school. If I could do anything, I probably would go get my master's. Mm -hmm. I just love sitting in the classroom and listening (laughs) and soaking everything up. But, you know, at the end of the day, the things that they don't teach you in the public school system and even the private school system, like Mm -hmm. life skills is crazy to me. And I went to a, a private school and there's plenty of things that I came out not knowing. And it's just so silly to me that like, there are so many things that are standards, quote unquote standards, and are the right quote unquote thing to do that have so many holes in them, but like yet they're the most popular thing. So we all kind of form our lives and our perceptions and our self-worth yeah. and our blah, blah, blah around shit that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, just because someone used to do it that way, there's plenty of things that you do forever. And then all of a sudden, we think, why the hell are we doing that? And then we stop, you know, but for all that time, all of those lives that were around during that, you know, whatever felt adhered to it. So while, you know, there's, there's grain of salt and there's value and everything and there's, but there's also infinite value in always questioning everything. I love that from a young age, what if was your thing? Because that's just such a gateway to so much more. What if it's such a, I don't know. It's like, it's so empowering. It's so empowering. And now that you are so in, like in on this ride and can't wait to see what's next, like, what would you say to someone that might be more towards the beginning? Like, if this is a conversation that is like really illuminating for someone and getting their blood pumping and like, Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, you know, what would you say to someone that's more in the beginning of this journey, like from where you are now? I th- I think that the first the first thing we have to do is give ourselves permission to evolve. Um, and if if we feel that evolving into something that we're not currently feeling ourselves in, <clears throat> then I think we won't. You know, and and nobody else is going to hand us that permission necessarily that has like that has to come from ourselves um 
So giving ourselves permission to begin asking the questions, begin saying yes to a few of those things that may not feel so monumental. Um, but when I work with my clients, like to help them move through this process of self-discovery and, um, and in writing their own story, um, we start back with, with values. <clears throat> what do you actually value? Because sometimes, um, what we value is writing the story that we live, right? So if you value, um, money, then your story will look something like the way that you value money. Um, whether you have a scarcity mindset about it or you have a plentiful uh, or an abundance mindset about it, you're going to live in a way that reacts from that value, right? So for someone like me, I valued spirituality. I valued the rules of my religion. And so to work against that uh, was felt like it was working against myself. And so you kind of just don't go anywhere, right? So what I will do with my clients is we will go through values and we will start to identify, um, ter- kind of separate the story that they've lived at this point from the value, the things that they actually value versus the things that someone tells them they should value or that their, you know, family they were raised in valued. Um, so when we can start to know what it is that actually means something to us, we'll start to learn from that. Um, one of the discoveries that I made in that process was I actually really value justice. And this was something I could see way back when I was a child that I wanted. I wasn't a very good uh, play, pretend, play with toys kind of child. <laughs> I was the what if child. I was the one asking all the questions and why is this happening? And, you know, I probably could have told you more about what was going on in the world at a very young age than I should have. But, um, but it was, I, I, I valued that it was fair that everybody had the same chance at the same thing. And I could see that through my entire life, but that wasn't something I was living in. And so when I recognized this value in myself again, and I started to live in it, then what happened was my voice started to come out. The things that mattered to me started to get to be spoken, be written about, um, started a podcast or two. You know, I, I started doing these things that are actually all of that coming to the surface. And it led me down a completely different path than what um, the values I was trying to live in that I thought I was supposed to be living into. Um, and I think that when we don't live within the values that we actually have, we don't recognize those, we really miss those voices and those experiences in the world. Um, I think the world's a far more colorful and adventurous place if we are being honest about what it is that matters to us and we, we live into it. Um, or be honest about what doesn't matter to you, <laughs> you know, Stop probably more so that, <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. you know, I, I, think, I think that it, I think, um, go ahead. It's so crazy. It's so, uh, you said it, you said, um, rather than trying to, 
I think that you really hit the nail on the head when you said that once you acknowledge and just like touched this idea that like justice is high value for me, effortlessly, you started living into that. Like your voice, the podcast, and it was just probably felt good and flowed. Meanwhile, like when you were maybe unknowingly living within these confines and values that weren't actually yours, you were trying to live into them. You were, you know, Mm -hmm. so what happens when you just placed your attention on something that you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Well, and and what's really interesting, you had, uh, you early on asked, um, how do we, how does somebody identify, you know, this um, uh, need to shift in themselves? And when I was 20, I was in, I had gone to missionary school and I was living in India. And I remember we had this really complicated group of people that I was uh, working with over there, um, all from the States. And we, uh, we had these circles that we would get in every couple of nights where we, they call them affirmation circles. And we'd go around and tell positive things about each other. Meanwhile, we all had like issues with each other. <laughs> it was quite interesting, but, <laughs> um, one of the things that kept getting said about me in the circle was, you're such a quiet spirit. And, um, and I'm like, finally, I just said, what do you, what does that mean to you? A quiet spirit. And they're like, you're just so at peace and you're just, you're just a quiet spirit. And I didn't say this out loud, but I wrote it in my journal. So I know <laughs> I felt it at the time. I felt like a fucking lion. I wanted to roar so loud. I had so much to say. I had so many things that needed to come up and issues that I was having within the the dynamics of this team. And I just remember that feeling of, I feel like a lion. I feel like I need to roar. So when I came back, you know, years down the road to this discovery of my values and, and justice comes to the surface for me, I was like, ping, that. That was it. I saw it back in my life. You know, it's not, it's not like we, we just, you just had to push it down because it wasn't the right space. It wasn't the right role as a woman to be a roaring lion in the, the church setting just didn't make any sense. Right. So now, you know, I get on my podcast and I say what I think. I say what I want to communicate with the world. I, I put it out there um, because I'm a fucking lion, right? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. Oh my God. Yeah. And you know, and that's a lion in a red dress, right? <laughs> you, a lion in a red dress. That's your Halloween costume this year. Um, right. No, I, you know, it's so funny too, because I'm, you obviously remember that visceral feeling of like being pit. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. But the fact that like, that's part of it. You were getting quote unquote praised for that. Yeah. Like that was a good thing. Then like that, that's just part, this is a sliver of like yeah. all of the ways in which it can get really confusing, especially when you consider, you know, it starts from when you're a little kid, like getting praised for being a good girl or, you know, only speak when spoken to yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> it's just it, it, finding those breadcrumbs though. When you have that realization, you're able to like trace back yeah. all of those poignant experiences. It's really interesting. 
So in my membership, Nostalgia Now, like something that we do, it's reminding me so much of this is that, you know, I don't ask some anyone to take pictures of anything specifically. The idea or not the idea, the function of the group is once a month, we look at the photos of just that month. And it's this idea of witnessing the photos you took and like, what does mm-hmm. it mean to you? Like what photos, like kind of like, not seeing the photos, but seeing the person that took decided to take those photos and, you know, gotcha. picking the important ones and like uh, being able to just pick three or four or whatever from the month and deciding like, what was the theme of that month? Like, what do you want to leave with you? What do you want to take going forward? Um, it's just, and then once you decide to become aware and a little bit more awake to whatever it is that you're seeing, you see more of it naturally. And I just keep talking about like yes. the compounding effect of like just becoming a little bit more awake, a little bit more awake in like the tiny spaces. Mm-hmm. And like, what's this going to mean? Like a year down the road, two years down the road, which it's such powerful work that I think seems like a really heavy lift, but you really hit the nail on the head when you touched on this feeling of it just started coming out of you once you're able to just see it. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think flow is such a great word because, um, it's sort of like my self check. Um, do I feel like I'm just kind of butting up against myself all the time or do I feel like I'm just kind of moving in flow and um, flow with myself, flow with the universe, you know, just, I, it just feels like flow and <clears throat> it's a, it's a bit of a gauge. Like if I'm constantly in conflict with myself, mm-hmm. I got to step back and go, what's going on here? Am I trying to live into something that I'm not really supposed to live into? Am I finding something in myself that needs to be um, kind of looked at and say, hey, what is that? What is it that you're wanting, Jess, that you're not saying out loud? Um, and and bringing, bringing that in so that we can move back in flow again. Because I think we're magic when we're in flow. I think we're we're dynamic and we, we create and we bring things um, into the world that need to be in the world. Um, but we're, when we're in inner conflict with ourselves, we just, we're stuck. We just, we just hold back. Um, and, and I don't want to be there anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I feel like I lived all of those years battling with myself. Um, rather than just saying, Hey Jess, what do you want? What do you like? What do you enjoy? I literally had to make the list, you know, and, and I do that with my clients too. We make the list. What do you like to do? And some of them can't come up with it because mm-hmm. they have, they have denied their self for so long. They don't actually know anymore. Um, so we have to kind of turn that faucet on, say, it, it, you have permission to do this. I don't care if it's, you like looking out the window and looking at flowers. That's a big deal. That says something about you. Um, yes. And you may not think it does, but it does. It says something about you. Yeah. It says that you are at peace in nature. Let's go find more nature. Um, or it might say something else, but I'm just saying it's, we, we push that stuff down saying it has no meaning or it's not allowed. And I think we miss knowing ourselves at a really beautiful level. Oh my gosh. A uh, 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 one trillion, one trillion percent. One trillion percent. I I just feel like this conversation is so needed at every 
phase at every, I feel like I, I find something new about myself every single day. Mm-hmm. I think you're, Oh, there you are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my nomadic life means that I, uh, you know, get sketchy internet once in a while. So I apologize. It's a welcomed compromise. So, yeah. Okay. So, so for full circle, my husband and I are literally getting lost to get found. We sold our house. We um, uh, are building our home on the road. I'm currently living in a trailer and we just travel. And um, and that's our life now. And um, we don't have a plan. And it feels amazing. Isn't that so funny? <laughs> like, it's so it, it, one day I looked back and I was looking at all my work and every project I've ever done. And I was like, it's all about the same thing. What? Like, yeah, you feel like yeah. every chapter is so different. And then you're like, oh my gosh, it's all the same. It's just yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Jess. This has been so Listen, I was not prepared for the power that was unleashed. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but I also, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm thrown, I'm thrown. Can you tell us, well, wait, before we get your info, before we leave and anything about Jess will be in the show notes. Is there anything that you want to add? Is there anything left on your heart that you just want to say, you know, to wrap up this conversation, anything that you find to be the most important, you know, thing? Um, you know, you and I talked on, on my, my podcast about learning about our highly sensitive self, you know, this, Mm -hmm. this this discovery. And, you know, we get to those points where we think we've learned everything about ourselves that we can learn. And we realize that we're just starting. Right. And, and I think that that's, um, not something to be afraid of. It's something that is the adventure. Right. And it might not feel really good. It might get really uncomfortable, but self-discovery um, really should just be our way of life rather than, uh, oh, my life's falling apart. It's time to discover myself again, right? But just just moving in that self-discovery all the time. And it ends up being a really gracious place to be with ourselves. You know, we, we take a lot of pressure off and we say it's okay that we can keep changing. We can keep evolving. It's okay to say that, you know, we like who we are right now and I don't want to adjust at this point in time. It's okay to say that too. Um, but leaving the, the door open that we're not fixed, we're not linear. We are energy in motion and it's time to move. Let's, let's discover what's there. I love the idea that like we don't have to wait for shit to hit the fan to just yeah. get curious, just ask what if, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, what if I went home this way instead of that way today? Or, you know, you know, what if yeah. I try something new? Maybe I won't like it, but maybe I'll love it so much. And my mind will be blown. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. One crazy little question in your day. It just, I don't know. It could change the director. Well, I can't even say the word trajectory is that it? yes <laughs> that's it um it can change the path we're on let's put it that way <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what this is this is like if 
if I'm ever, I, I have this wild insecurity. I, even when I look it up, I swear to, I cannot figure it out, Jessica. Effect versus effect. I always just say impact. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? This impact. <laughs> <laughs> I would would make it a point to research it. And I still, I'm reading the words and I'm like, I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I do that all the time. I'll go to record a podcast that I've written and I've written the words that I want and I cannot make my mouth do what I want it to be. And it's like, okay, we're going to push pause. We're going to say a different word and it'll, it'll have its own. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh my gosh. Jessica, if someone is like, how the hell can I be a part of Jessica's world in any way, shape or form, where would they go? Um, and what can they expect, um, coming up from you? They can find me, um, at liberateyourstory.com and, uh, my, my podcasts are there. and the, the work that I do with clients. So if you're interested in working with me, all of that is on there as well. Um, one of my podcasts is just me. It's about 10 minutes. 10 to 12 minutes um, that I release every week. The other podcast is Stories, which is the podcast that you're going to be on. And it's human stories, stories of women from all over the world and um, sharing who they are and um, what makes them uh, just magical. So um, so I have those two there. They're, that's a real feel good. Um, get to know women that you might actually just connect with from afar. So, And I coach clients one-on-one and then several times a year I have a group coaching platforms and um, with various topics so those just kind of come out throughout the year awesome uh, yeah. and what's your That's Instagram handle um, my Instagram handle is at Jessica Travis and my name is spelled J-E-S-S-I-C-A-H and then T-R-A-V-I-S so um you can find me there there's a link in my bio for everything you know to get to me there um, I really enjoy Instagram because it's a creator space and right. uh, writing and expressing um, can happen there, at least now, unless the algorithm changes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I already am like, I can't wait till you come back. (laughs) We will have to have you come back whenever you're launching a new program. Um, I'm just so thankful that you came on here and so powerfully shared your story with everyone. I'm sure that this is going to really, really help so many people. Oh, I hope so. so Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode and want to get in on actual conversations with me, join the Help Me See podcast private Facebook group. Every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be hopping on live for Q&A on the latest episode and for free consulting if you need a bit of help thinking about ways to save your memories. Did you get something out of this episode? I really, really, really hope you did. And I would love to hear from you. I'm on a mission to empower you to feel peace knowing that you are not missing your life. One of the best ways that you can support me is leaving a review. And honestly, I'd rather hear about the memory you saved because of this podcast rather than any kind of accolade. Tell me how this podcast has impacted you. And one, I'll probably cry. (laughs) And two, I'd love to give you a shout out on the show. Take a minute and head out to the link in the bio to write a review now on the podcast. <laughs>